Good morning. It's, uh, it is good to be back. Um, I know it's been a while since we've been here. Uh, we have been working in Troy and uh, trying to plan a church and learning a lot and making a lot of mistakes and going back and um, making changes and just working. And we appreciate all your prayers as we try to uh, ultimately share the gospel and make disciples and see God's kingdom advance. And so if you would continue to pray for us, we would really appreciate that. Um, but I'm glad to be here with you this morning, and if you would, if you have a Bible, if you'd open it up to the book of Psalm, Psalms, uh, Psalm 119, and we're going to start with just one uh, single verse this morning, and then we're going to use that as kind of a launching point to look at um, a truth that, that God's been teaching to me over the course of this journey that we've been on um, over the last year and a half that we've been working on planning this church, that God has just been trying to show me something that I need to hear, and so my thought is, if this is something I really need to hear, then maybe, uh, maybe there's some people here who could benefit from hearing this as well. So that's my hope, that's my prayer. Um, if not, this is just for me this morning, and I'm just going to talk about myself, and you guys can just kind of, that guy's weird, but okay. Um, so if you if you would open up to Psalm 119, and we're going to start, or, well, we're going to read uh, verse 105 and go from there. So Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So um, I'm originally from, from Indiana, and um, I had a lot of friends, uh, I, di- I didn't go there, but in college I had a lot of friends who went to Purdue University. So this is a total long shot. Is there anybody here who went to Purdue University? did. Okay, so I can't say what I was going to say, but um, <laughs> Purdue is in this town. It's a great school. It's a great school, um, and they were all, the, they all went there because they were smarter than me, and I went to a different school. But um, the, the, the school, Purdue, is in this town called West Lafayette, Indiana, and um, probably if you live there, probably if you're a student there, this is not a problem, but every time I would go to visit my friends in, in Lafayette, I would get so lost, so totally and completely lost. There's something to me, and it was, my brain was just not right for that city in some way, because driving around Lafayette, I just could not navigate that city. There was something about the way it was laid out that I just, every time I went there, there was this one particular time, um, it was later in my, uh, toward the end of college, and I went to this friend, my, my friend's house, and we stayed up really late, um, and I was driving home, and it was totally and completely dark out, and I'm trying to get home, and so, okay, I gotta, for some of you, I have to back this up. There used to be, um, when you would drive, you didn't have a phone that would tell you where to go. We had this totally, it was this, this bizarre thing, we called them atlases, and um, it was like a book that was about as tall as my children, and um, it was just full of maps, but all it really had were like the major roads, the major highways, and you would tuck it in the back pocket behind your seat, and, and that was how you got around, and if you got lost, you were like lost, right? So now when you're driving and you take a wrong turn, your, your phone, it just corrects, right? And it says, make a U-turn. But if you're driving and all you've got is an atlas, and it's late at night, and you've been up really late, 
hanging out and, and you're driving and you're all alone. I'm all alone I'm, and I'm, I'm no longer in the city. I'm out in the country somewhere near West Lafayette and I have no clue where I am. And I'm driving around in the dark totally and completely lost. At one point, I, I really... <laughs> Honestly, because I was driving and I looked down and I was like on an overpass and I was like, I think that's the road I want to be on. And I seriously considered, because I used to watch the Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid and I was like, maybe, I was so, and there's this feeling, I don't know if you've ever been lost, like really truly lost, and, and not just lost, but lost in the dark, if that's ever happened to you, there's this sort of, it's almost a sense of panic, and this fear that's just totally different than any other fear because it's, I'm alone, I don't know where I'm going, I don't even know where I am right now, and there's nothing I can look around to see, there's no touch point, there's no, there's no landmarks, there's nothing. I'm just totally in the dark and I'm totally lost. Now here's why I tell you that story, because truthfully, Honestly, there are still times in my life today that I feel that way. Not, not out driving around on the road, but, but in my life making decisions in what I'm going to do and where I'm going and the direction my life is heading in, there are times when I feel overwhelmed like I'm lost and I'm driving in the darkness. And so this morning... I want to look at this scripture and this verse from Psalms because I think it speaks to that feeling. And, and so my hope and my prayer is this, that, that if you ever feel that way, and specifically if you're in a season of your life right now, or, or maybe not a season, maybe just life in general feels that way to you, that there are things in your life and decisions that you know you need to make, or, or, or maybe it's not a specific decision, but it's just a general overall sense of a feeling of where am I going and what am I supposed to be doing and I'm trying to navigate and it's either in relationships or it's your career or it's, it's something is going on and you're like, I just can't wrap my head. I just feel lost. And so my hope is that this scripture, as we, we meditate on, on what this says and what God's trying to say to us through this, that it will give us all and myself included, a, a sense of some peace and maybe some freedom, and if not necessarily direction, at least a sense of an understanding that there is a path out of that feeling. So let's look at what this is. It's, this, look, this is a very straightforward scripture. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and every single verse in Psalm 119 uh, uses a word that references the scriptures in some way. Um, your word, your law, your commandments, your precepts. So the whole, the, the longest um, chapter in the entire Bible is actually about the Bible itself. And in this particular um, specific verse, the author is, is saying this, that the lamp to our feet, the, the thing that gives us guidance, the thing that guides us on our path, can be, should be, it's possible that it is God's Word. That God's Word is what can illuminate our path and show us the direction we should go in. Now, 
just that on its, on its face, maybe. Um, hopefully just that by itself could be an encouragement, but I think we need to li- dig a little bit deeper into that this morning. Um, because that, to me, to say that just brings up a whole bunch of questions in my mind. I don't know if it does for you, um, but if somebody were to just come to me and I'm saying, I just, I'm just feeling lost, I'm feeling like I need direction, I'm feeling like I'm not sure exactly which way I should be going, they say, well, you should read the Bible. I'd be like, okay, thanks, but how? What does that look like? How does that work? And so I want to point out a couple specific things about this, this little verse that I think um, might help us. And the first is this. Um, we need to think about exactly what he's saying here when he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And specifically, the beginning of this, your word is a lamp to my feet. If you're lost in the darkness and you're looking for which direction to go in, obviously you need light to help you see, but I, I want you to understand that and, and see this, that the author of this psalm, he compares God's word to a lamp where, specifically, to our feet. And in, in the day when this was written, the lamp that he's talking about was a small oil lamp, okay, which was not exactly like the brightest spotlight you could ever shine on anything. If you had a small oil lamp, it would give you a tiny bit of light, probably just enough light to kind of help you see what's immediately around you. Which would explain why he uses the phrase that that your word is a lamp to my feet. Because the author here is talking about having a source of light that will illuminate the immediate steps right in front of you. In other words, what he's saying in this scripture is that God's word will provide for us light, but sometimes just enough light for what's right in front of us. Sometimes just enough light to take the next step. Now, this is an extremely frustrating truth to me because I'm somebody who likes to know the whole path, okay? I like to know when I'm going somewhere how to get the whole way, right? And in my life, when I look at my life, and when I have a plan and when I want to to see what's going to happen in my life, I want to know the whole sequence. I want to be able to plan out what's going to happen, not just this week, but but next month and next year and 10 years from now and have kind of a, a big vision of where everything's headed. But what the author of this psalm is telling us is that God's word provides for us oftentimes just enough light to take the next step. That God doesn't always reveal to us everything that's going to happen in the future. That God doesn't open up for us everything that's going to happen in our lives. That he doesn't provide for us a detailed map of our entire future. That God shows us the next step we need to take. And as we take that step, then the next step is illuminated. And as we take that step, then the next step. But we see each step only as we take each step. 
that God calls us to be faithful to what's right in front of us right now. This has been huge for me lately. Um, trying to start a church, which is this big, big picture thing, right? And I would love to know, I would like to know exactly how that's all going to work out. And I've done, so this is because this is kind of who I am, and this is probably in some ways wisdom, um, mapped out what that's going to look like, and we're going to do this, and we're, we've got this goal, and when we meet that goal, then we'll do this next, and this next, and this next. And what we've found along the way as we've done that is like every single one of those steps we've laid out, not every single one, but most of those steps, we've, when we get there, it's not what we thought, and the next step isn't what we had planned. And all those plans, like I've made plans for the past two years, and pretty much every plan I've made at some point has gotten scrapped and just thrown out. And what God's been trying to show me over and over and over again is plans are not a bad thing. But what you need to do is be faithful to what's right in front of you right now. Let me give you a couple examples of, of what I mean by this, okay, that make this maybe seem a little more um, real or, or make sense. Um, two, two examples. One's a little more churchy. The other one's pretty much, I think everybody can relate to this. I talk to a lot. I have a lot of friends um, who are young, either just finishing up college or just got out of college. And it's like everybody, and when you're, when you're in school, when you're right out of school, you want to know, and everybody wants to know, what are you going to do with your life, right? And that's the big question. What are you going to do? And you're thinking that, and you're asking yourself that all the time. And, listen, there is such huge pressure to have this big, huge vision for your life of how you're going to change the world. Um, my brother-in-law, when he was in college, he actually, everybody at the school um, in their first semester had to take this course. It was a required course called Be a World Changer. You have to be a world changer, and he had to take a class on how to, and, and so we, we've got this drilled into us in our culture that your life has to matter. It has to be big. You have to change the world, and I talked to so many people who are young and and, and they feel like their, their whole life is ahead of them, and their, their whole question is, how am I going to change the world? How, what am I going to do that's going to be huge? What am I going to do that's going to be so big and so life-transforming? And it, honestly, it becomes this paralyzing weight. Because it becomes, I can't do anything until I figure out how what I'm doing is going to lead me to change the world. Okay, first... If that's you this morning, um, I have good news for you. You're never going to change the world, okay? God could change the world. You can't. Now, I don't mean that in a rude way. <laughs> I think that should be freeing to you. You don't need to sit around and worry about how you're going to change the world. All you need to do is ask, what is God asking me to do right now? Stop worrying about how your life is going to be this amazing, magnificent, you know, 10 years from now, 12 years from now, 20 years from now. What's God asking you to do right now? What's right in front of you? How can you be faithful today? How can you be faithful this year? What opportunity is right there in front of you right now? 
Let me give you another example. Um, this one's more church-ish, but um, if you're a Christian, um, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've, you've, you've had this idea, this sense, this understanding that you should, you would like to, you want to share the gospel with other people. You would love to, because, because you've been transformed and your life has been changed by knowing God, you would love for other people to experience that, that same change and that same transformation in their life. But it can become extremely disheartening because you get this sense and this feeling that it's your job, uh, that you have to go out and, and find people who don't know Jesus and you need to tell them all about Jesus and you need to, to stay on them and keep telling them until they are, are transformed, until they make a commitment, until their lives are, until they're converted to Christ. And you get all this weight on yourself to go out and tell everybody you know and get them to become Christians and, and change their lives Sometimes, sometimes God just wants you to talk to someone. That, that sharing the gospel with somebody starts just by building a relationship. And that we get in our heads as Christians a lot of times this sense of like, it's all on me, I've got to get this whole plan and I've got to, to make sure that I'm presenting what the gospel is and seeing that people are converted and baptized and move, boom, 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 boom. And all God wants you to do is go out and make friends. And just be faithful to do that. And as you do that, then he'll provide you with the next step. And the next step. And the next step. Okay, do you understand where I'm going with this? So this is, that's just two examples. But this is kind of the big picture here of, of what this psalm is telling us. It's that sometimes we get so far out in our minds... God, show me how this whole world is supposed to work. And God's saying, just be faithful to what's in front of you. I just, just real quick, Jesus said something really similar to this in the book of Matthew. So if you um, want to turn real quickly over to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. If you have one of the hardback Bibles, this is on page, stuck together, page 812. On page 812, um, Jesus is preaching and he talks about we worry and we worry and we worry and he's saying you've got to stop worrying about everything in front of you and focus on what's right here. And in Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 he says this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is how Jesus says it. Today is, there's enough going on today. There's enough right in front of you. Stop worrying about what you're going to do 30 years from now. Let's solve this, okay? Stop worrying about how you're going to change the world. Just go change that diaper, okay? There's enough going on right now. I'll take care of the big picture you do your part, you do what's right in front of you. Now, that's great. And, and that is, again, right there, I mean, if you catch on to that, if you can just say, I just need to be faithful to what's right in front of me, that's huge. But, but there's a second question that I hope is coming up in your mind as we're talking through this. And the question is this, so what does that look like? How do I know what's right in front of me? How does this lamp metaphorically work that illuminates my feet right in front of me? Is it just, 
I read the Bible, and hopefully, like, whatever's going on today, I'm just going to happen to open it up, and oh, right there, there's the scripture. It tells me what I should be doing today. Is that what it's saying? So let's look at the very first phrase of this verse, your word. The lamp to my feet, the light to my path, it says is your, your meaning God, God's word. What is that? Well, here's what we have to understand. The book of Psalms was written, um, and what we refer to when we divide up the Bible into two sections, we refer to this as the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant. This, is, this was written long before Jesus was around, okay? And so when the author of Psalm 119 talks about your word, and throughout Psalm 119, he's talking about God's laws, his commandments, and that's what he's referencing when he's talking about your word. He's talking about God's law. His immediate audience, his immediate readers would have understood this to be talking about God's law. And what he's saying in that regard is that God's laws, of which there were many that the Israelites would have followed, those laws, if you follow those laws, they will guide you in your everyday decisions. But, and, and let me pause before I get to that. To a certain extent, that, that in and of itself is true and helpful to us. That the scriptures, that as we read through what God has, has given to us in the scriptures, and as we understand what he teaches and what he tells us to do, and the more we understand them, the more it influences and impacts and guides us in our everyday decisions. That's true. But to us, today, on this side of Jesus, there is a deeper meaning to the phrase, your word. And I want to show you something, and so if you would turn with me to the book of John, this is what we refer to as the New Testament, John chapter 1, and I want to show you that God, who we believe is, is totally and completely in control of the way that the scriptures were written, even though they were written over a course of thousands of years by, by many different authors, God is controlling the entire story and that there's a through line and that there are metaphors that refer, recur throughout scriptures and that they at times change and take on deeper meaning as the Bible goes along. And this phrase, your word, is one of those. Such that when the author of Psalms talked about your word, he's talking specifically about God's laws as they were delivered by God to the nation of Israel. But look at what John who was one of Jesus' apostles, wrote, when he writes his biography of Jesus' life, the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1, verse number 1, he says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Skip down, um, verse 9 the true light which enlightens everything was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, 
Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus. The Word, God's laws, God's ideas, God's commands, God's understanding and His ordering of everything and how the world should work, became a man. That when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he was God's word taking on flesh and coming to earth to live with us. So us now, we now, looking back, have more than just... And not that the Bible is like insufficient in any way, but we have more than just what's printed on the pages in our Bibles. We actually have the Word of God made flesh who came to live among us. We have Jesus. And that those of us who have been chosen by God and and called by God, and this is how he says it in verse 12, to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That the word that's going to guide us, that's going to show us the next step that we should take, he came into this world as a man. And that he gave us the ability to believe in him and to know him. And look at what it says, starting in verse 16. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. That's the word as it's being referenced in the Old Testament in Psalms. The word is the law that came through Moses. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Okay, this is huge. Okay, this is huge. This is world-changing, okay? When the author of, of Psalm 119 was writing, he was looking at and saying his steps are guided by the law that God had laid down, the commandments God had laid down. Now, the really frustrating thing about that was this. As much as he would have tried, as much as all of us may try to follow those laws and follow those commands and let them be the light to his path, he and we continually mess it up. We can never fully fulfill those laws and those commands. But God came in flesh to bring us grace, to give us forgiveness for all the times that we've broken those laws and those commands, and to have a relationship with us. So that we now, if we've trusted in Jesus Christ, can have a relationship with him to the point that 
He doesn't just give us directions. He walks with us. That the lamp to our feet, the light for our path, is not somebody wrote down, here's how to get there, and handed it, and we have to just go and follow it. He's right there guiding us. That we have an opportunity to be led moment by moment by Jesus Christ. Because he came into the world, because he lived the life we never could have lived and died, the death that we should have died, to bridge the gap between us and God that we now have the opportunity to be led by him every day. How do I know what I should be doing in my life? I can know because I have Christ dwelling in me and guiding me. That's unfathomable. That's amazing. And the more I read the scriptures, this is, this is the, the, the twist, I think. This is the, the way we need to kind of think about this differently. If I say your word, if, if the Bible says your word is a lamp to my feet, and we say, so when I have a problem, I need to, to, to go to the Bible to show me how to solve that problem. When I have questions, I need to go to the Bible to show me what the answers to those questions are. I have the answers to those questions wanting to walk with me through my difficult times. When I read the Bible, my goal should be not to figure out the answers to all these laws or not to, to, to memorize all God's commands or to how am I falling short and where do I need... My goal should be that as I read, I know more about Jesus. And I grow closer to Jesus, and I learn more about him, and as I know more about him, he guides me. Let me show you a, a, a place where Jesus said something very similar to this, and this will be kind of, wrap this up with this story. John chapter 14. When you're lost, when you're lost, it's nice if somebody will give you directions to get you to where you're supposed to be going. But man, it's so much better if they just come alongside and help you, isn't it? When you're lost, what you really want is not a phone call from somebody who can give you directions. What you really want is somebody to show up who knows the way and can guide you. John chapter 14 is uh, right before Jesus is about to be crucified. He's talking to his apostles. It's these 12, actually at this point, 11 guys who have followed him around for years. And he tells them he's about to leave. And this is very frightening to them. He's been their leader. Um, he's been their mentor. He's been a really close friend to them. And now he says he's leaving. In fact, he tells them he's leaving and he's going to a place where they can't go. But then he says in John chapter 14, verse 1, so, so they're a little bit freaking out. They're feeling that sense of lostness. Okay, this is our good friend. This is the guy we've been putting all our hope, all our trust in this guy. Now he says he's leaving. What's going to happen? 
And he says this in chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Because their hearts were troubled. They were anxious. They were upset. They were stressed. And he says, calm. Calm down. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus says, I'm, I'm leaving. You can't come with me. He knows they're getting stressed, and he says, now calm down. I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you. And you know where I'm going, and you know how to get there. And Thomas, who's one of the apostles in verse 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. <laughs> how can we know the way? You just said you're going somewhere, and we can't go there. And then you said, but we know how to get there. We don't know. And he's saying what all of us say. God, you say you've got a plan for my life. God, you, you say that, that before I was even born my entire life, you, you've numbered my days, you've planned out my steps, you know what's going to happen in my life. I don't know what your plan for my life is. How am I supposed to know? God, if you could just tell me. Have you ever prayed like this? God, if you would just tell me exactly what you want me to do, For the rest of my life, I will do it. Just lay it all out for me. Just make it really clear. So that's what Thomas says. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And look at what Jesus says to him, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is what Jesus says. You are so stressed about where you're supposed to be going. Okay, this is what he says to us today, who are so anxious and nervous and stressed about what choice we're supposed to make and what direction our life is supposed to be going in and what the next year or three years or 20 years are going to look like. And we want the whole thing laid out for us and we want to know what's going to happen. And Jesus says, you need to stop worrying about the path and understand that what you really need is me. I'm the path. I'm the way. I'm the end of it all. I'm the destination. The best thing you can do is invest in growing deeper in your relationship. And as you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus, he will illuminate the next step. And he's not going to show you the next 50 steps He's going to show you one. And what do you need to do? Take it. And as you faithfully take that step, he will illuminate the next. And as you take that step, he will show you the next. Jesus calls us to follow him faithfully with what is right in front of us. And the promise here is that in doing so, he will provide each step as we need to take it. 
My hope and my prayer is this, that as we think on this, that as we ask ourselves, what is God calling me to do? What is God's will for my life? What is the direction my life needs to be taking? That we will experience some freedom as we understand that God does not desire for us to know the entire path and plan for our lives. What he wants us to do is to trust him and be faithful to do what he's put right in front of us. To know his son more deeply and to trust him to lead us in the way. I'm going to pray. My prayer is that we would not be motivated then to go out and try to figure out, okay, so what are the different things that God's leading me to do and what's the path that he wants to take me down? My prayer is that we would be motivated to grow deeper in our love for him and to be faithful to take the next step that's right in front of us. Let's Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I love you and I thank you for the ways that you have guided me to this point in my life. God, that I could look back and in looking back, I never would have predicted or foreseen the path that my life has followed, but God, I know and I I believe that you have been with me and guiding me all this way. And so, God, my prayer is that you would increase my faith and the faith of everyone here this morning. Not that we would be inspired to go out and do bigger and grander and more amazing and wonderful things, but that we would be faithful to do what you've placed right in front of us. Lord, thank you for sending your Son, for making it even possible for us to know you because we know we don't deserve that. And yet in your grace and in your mercy, you came down to us. So thank you for that. Lord, I pray again that you would renew in us a desire to know you more deeply and more fully in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.